Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blue Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And with no game to look back on, we're going to look back on the season to date. Pick out kind of stuff that we're kind of happy with, not so happy with, stuff we've enjoyed, stuff we've not enjoyed quite so much. Uh, and to discuss some momentous fixtures coming up, like the one at Burnley at the weekend. Uh, at, and we've got some big ones as well coming up to do with the FA Cup, Champions League, the Premier League. It's all hotting up, isn't it? Um, listen, to help me do that, I've got three guests. Uh, welcome to David Blakeney. Hi, David. Hi, Nigel. Welcome to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. And a view from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Nigel. Listen, let's let's start off with your kind of, what have you enjoyed? Let's start with a positive. I thought we were a bit negative last week, actually, not not just my throat getting in the way of stuff, but uh, I just felt it was a bit of a negative vibe. So we're going to start with the positive. What has excited you about City this season? Stephen, you, you kick us off on this one, would you please? What, what's, what's been good about this season to date? I think it's, we've seen that the squad um, have all chipped in, but really are just motivated again. I think it's always been one of those challenges, you know, the last... 15, 20 years in the Premier League, once a team has had success, can they go and do it again? And I think there's always the issue with Pep lurking in the background of he's never stayed this long at a club before, the intensity that he gives as a manager and every day in training to the players. Is that something that he can sustain for another season, another season? And do the players still respond to those messages? And I think what we've seen pretty clearly so far this season is that they do absolutely respond and and Pep again has had to be resourceful um you know of course he wanted a striker and has done for the last couple of years of course we'd be better if we had that number nine but he's manufactured a way to get us playing so well without a striker and playing so well without a natural left back in a way that suddenly our right back who doesn't have a left foot is now playing left back and is probably the most creative player in the league at the minute. So Pep has found a way to bring everything together and the players look motivated. So let's, you know, look forward to how the season pans out the next few months. But I think that's been probably my biggest takeaway so far. And Stephen's right, isn't he, Sarah? I mean, Pep, he's made the point already, he's never been at a club as long as he's been at City already, and there's talk of him maybe even extending further, which would just be incredible. But the way he's reinvented this team, the way that we just step it up season on season, 
yeah, there's been a bit of a dip in form, which we might come on to in terms of our, ne- our, our negatives in a moment. But we're still there fighting on three fronts again. And it's just, it's down to pep, isn't it? And what an incredible manager, what, what a privilege and what a pleasure it is for us to watch this team with him in charge. I couldn't have put it better, Nigel. I mean, Stephen hit the nail on the head, I think, in terms of some of the highlights of this season. I think if we're honest, there was some disappointment that we didn't find a striker in the summer and some a degree of scepticism that this we can play without a striker. It's, we don't need a striker because of the way Pep plays. That it kind of might only last so long before other teams really sussed us out and that we would pay a price for not having the clinical finisher in the box. Um, we may still do that this season, but as you say, we're still challenging for three trophies. You know, we're top of the league. I mean, even though some of the despondency would suggest we're eight, we're still top of the league by a point. Um, and we've got a fantastic set of great games coming up in April, obviously Burnley being the highlight. Um, that is what you, uh, you know, let's be honest, we'd have dreamed of having a season like this not that long ago. And the only other thing I'd mention is that it really feels this season like the academy uh, as a production line is really coming into its own. And, you know, we've seen obviously Foden, but now Palmer and McAtee feel like bona fide first team squad members rather than kids that get the odd game in the league cup so lots to be positive about lots to be positive about david i know you find that difficult sometimes but go on give it give it a go for us give us a as positive um, a spin as you can i would say for most of the season our football we have played some of the best football i think we have played for many a year for for as long as i can remember some amazing football some of the players have stepped up again this season bernardo was a great example um, just seeing Pep being very almost content in a way that I've not seen him before. He seems to be loving being at the club, loving his football, and just almost at ease with everything. You know, he's matter of fact, we haven't won again. He just seems to be so at home at our club, which is, I still look at Pep at our, or on the bench there, just thinking, I can't, still can't believe we got Pep there some days. So I think they're great things. And um, I think getting away with not having a striker for so long has been a bit of a miracle. But um, that's where I'm on, on the positive side. Stephen? I, I think I think you made the point, and Sarah made the point, that if you look back to where we were the first game of the season when we lost to Spurs, and... We hadn't bought a striker at that point. All the talk was, could we get Kane? Then it became Ronaldo, and, and we ended up signing nobody. I'm looking at the team that we had against Spurs, bearing in mind a lot of players had come back late from the Euros and we were a bit depleted. We had Mendy at left-back, Ake at centre-back, and Cancelo at right-back, who's barely played there all season. Fernandinho and Grealish were two of the three in midfield, and Ferran Torres was up front. And after that game, I remember thinking, well, we haven't solved the striker issue. We haven't solved the left-back issue. You know, we really need our players to basically turn up from the second game back from the Euros and turn it on straight away. And what Pep has done has reinvented what we've done previously. It has been brilliant to see. And who, Stephen, has stood out for you? I think you you alluded to Cancelo's form. Uh, We've mentioned Bernardo Silva. Anybody else you want to pick up in the kind of our positives theme here? Who else has stood out for you this season? 
and so yeah, far. Yeah, I think those two, Rodri, I'd absolutely add in to, to that. Um, and Foden, probably. I mean, we know how good he is, but in the space of not a long period of time, he's become almost the first name on the team sheet or the first name of the front three, especially. When, you know, it was only a couple of years ago that people were still thinking, could he go on loan? Would he benefit from playing every week somewhere else? And um, he was one that for so long we've all heard, you know, he's the one from the academy that's going to make the step up. He's the one with the ability. He's proven it and he's absolutely incredible. Um, And Rodri, to be fair as well, I know I mentioned him, the steps or the improvements that he's made in the last year, I think, have been phenomenal. He just, yeah, there's still moments he's a bit slow. He's not kind of as lively or as energetic as Fernandinho was at his peak. But he reads the game and he, he takes up positions that we need our holding midfielder to. I think he's been an absolute revelation. Sarah, who would you like to add or, or endorse from Stephen's list so far? Well, I, well, as ever, I'd endorse every word that comes out of Stephen's mouth. But I, I, I'd probably look at it slightly differently. And rather than say who I think has had a really good season, because the list Stephen gave is spot on, we could probably add one or two others. Actually, I was just thinking to myself, has anyone had a dreadful season? And I, I you know, one or two players have had spells where... Um, you know, they've got a bit of criticism. There's obviously been a debate about Grealish. There were certainly moments Sterling wasn't at his peak. But even so, I don't think anyone's had a bad season. And that fundamentally is why we're a good team, because whatever whatever changes Pep makes, whoever has to play because of injuries, we've got Diaz out at the moment, there's not a sense of panic in the way that three or four years ago, if we lost a key player whether it was David Silva, Aguero, when Laporte was out for the season, there was immediate panic that there was nobody was going to be able to replace him. And I don't feel that anymore. We'll come on to maybe who's had a disappointing season. I just want to give David the opportunity to add some names. Can I chuck two more names into the pot and someone who maybe didn't start the season well and has maybe had a few injury issues, but it's the last couple of games has been sensational again, and that's uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So just sort of t- sticking his name into that pot. And the man who's got the best first touch in world football ever, um, who's scoring and assisting at will as well. You've got to give Mares some credit as well, I think, haven't you, David? I'm just going to add those two names into the pot just as we're having that debate. How would you respond to those two and the, the other three or four we've heard? Um, I agree with all of them, but yeah, actually Mares has been really good this season. He's sort of, his consistency of scoring goals has been great. Uh, and yeah, KDB sort of, KDB's got his form back. He does, for him, still have a tendency, I don't know why, of actually not getting those balls quite through as much as he used to. And his first touch hasn't been quite as good as he used to. So he has get better, but I wouldn't say he's he's as electrifying as he has been. But yeah, he is getting better. I mean, listen, he's still an amazing world-class player. But sure. we've got so used to him being that good that anything he does that isn't that good, you go, oh, he's not playing so well now, but he's probably better than everyone else anyway. Um, and I think the port's been quite good this season. You know, yeah. I think he steps in. I think we're very lucky, and I just hope Stones is okay, because if we can get away with Diaz and got those two, that's a big plus as well. 
So, so David, kick us off then on the, on the less positive. I mean, Grealish's name has been mentioned already. We may as well sort of start with him. Uh, came with a very, very large price tag, as we know, well documented, was sensational at Villa, um, but maybe hasn't quite stepped up to the mark. Where, where do you see it? Others say actually he's been fine. Pep's obviously defended him to the hilt, understandably he would do that. What's your view of Grealish's first season at City? I think he's been scared to play his normal game. He seems to just tap it around. Doesn't take the men on as much. Doesn't score the goals. I've been disappointed, but I think it's first season syndrome with him. I think people are very intimidated when they come to to play for us. And with Pep being the manager, I think he's been too cautious and... He needs to be able to get out there and run at players and do what he, we know he's good at. So that does concern me a bit, but I, I, let's wait till next season. I don't think many of our forwards have been good first season, have they? Camaro's first season, he was the same. Yeah, I've said it a few times Rodgers on the show. The I'll, I'll say it again, that David Silva wasn't great his first season, no, either, I've seen no. remember, which is uh, so, highly amusing. We've got to give him a chance, really, to be honest, so... All right, Sarah, you're willing to give him a chance? Are you going to be a bit more critical? Uh, I, I'm really not worried about Grealish. I'm, I'm, I think he's had a, a, I was going to say okay, but I think he's been slightly better than okay. He's not, he's not stunned us, and because of the £100 million price tag, he's had more pressure on him as a City player than any other player that we've signed because of what we paid for him. But, you know, we saw against in the derby, um, he played really well. I think there's been... I just think he's learning how to play in the city way and he's learning how Pep wants him to play. And it's not the same as he was required to play at Villa. And I think that... I feel as if I can see signs that that now is really sinking in with him. And, yeah, we'll see uh, an even more effective Jack Grealish next season. But there's, no, there's nothing about the way he's played this season that's made me think what a waste of money he was or he's never going to work for it. Uh, Stephen, you made the point about sort of City, the team, um, but just on the individuals. Do you want to sort of just give a quick word on Grealish and then any others who you think maybe are slightly below par this year so far? Yeah, I think both David and Sarah summed up perfectly on Grealish. He's, I would have said, yeah, he's been okay. He's been a 6 out of 10, not been bad by any means, but I know it's easy to see why people think, oh, he's coming for 100 million, he should be scoring more, assisting more. And I think David's right when he says he looks a bit scared because I think we'd have all said the derby a couple of weeks ago was his best game and I think it's because he just seemed to have that intensity he took people on he carried the ball forward he he made things happen but you know we've seen it with Bernardo, Mares, Sane these attacking players you know it's not just attacking Cancelo did nothing his first year Rodri looked off the pace it must be something like Pep's system that takes a while to get used to I'm not worried at all about Grealish. And the interesting thing is, more so than with Mares or Bernardo or Sane, Pep is still picking Grealish pretty much every week. So he must be doing the job that Pep wants him to, because it's not as if we don't have other options. You know, Sterling's not played that much. He could play, bring Gundogan in, push Bernardo forward. He's got options to fill that spot on the left, but he does pick Grealish. Um, so yeah, I think we'll see a much better version of him next season. But I think he's been fine. Uh, yeah, we've mentioned Sterling a couple of times in terms of other players not quite performing. I don't think he's been at his best with City for 
18 months at least now. Um, you know, he had a, a month or so where he looked back to somewhere near his best, but I don't think I'd pick him in our best 11 at the moment. Um, Gundogan's another one who I think was very good last season, stepped up, took kind of more responsibility, especially with the goals, hasn't really nailed his place down. Um, this season, how much of that is him not being at his best and Bernardo returning to his best and he's undroppable? I'm not sure those would be the two who I think would be you know, slightly um, disappointing so far. But again, not not bad by any means. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about maybe who needs to go in the summer. Are there any spaces we need filling? Who knows? Uh, all that and much more straight after this break. Welcome back. Uh, Sarah, help us with this next section, please, which is kind of, are there any gaps in this squad at Manchester City Football Club that maybe in the summer we might in the, be in the market for? And who do you think are the prime candidates to maybe be shown the door? Always a difficult, discuss- always a difficult discussion. Who, 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 who might be coming and going? Well, at the sense of creating uh, um, another version of Groundhog Day, I have a feeling this conversation might be dominated by two positions. One is the uh, the seeming desperate need for a striker, and uh, we all know who who's top of the City fans' wish list. And we're getting some positive noises, uh, but as somebody once said, and somebody sitting there in a shirt with, you know... Um, Sitting with, sitting with signing his contract, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, yeah, I think we'd all like a, a clinical striker would be lovely. Um, and I do still think we need a versatile left-back, preferably one who could play on either side. Uh, I doubt we're going to find another Cancelo, but um, I think we do need a, another player who can play left-side defensive. I, you know, would I get rid of anyone? Not there's no obvious person I'd say get rid of him as soon as possible. But yeah, there's one or two who I'd be less disappointed if they moved on. And if I'm honest, I'd probably put Sterling in that category. Um, Anybody else? Who, who else would you add to the? So you said there may be a couple of people. Who else? Well, I, I, the other obvious. Category? Yeah, the other obvious one is Jesus, who has never quite set the City fans alight. He's had some great moments. Um, I think he works really hard for the team. I don't think he's. He's not someone who I, where I'm disappointed to see the name on the team sheet, but there are much better strikers than Jesus. And actually, we all thought at the beginning of the season he'd turned into a right winger and that he was going to be better on the right wing than he was as a striker. And maybe that's true, but we have a plethora of wingers and not enough strikers. So, you know, he might be off to the Juventus, might he? We don't know yet. I mean, we have this discussion a lot, Stephen, we all know, and, and City fans across the world are talking about this the whole time. And the whole argument, of course, if we do get a striker, well, these goals are coming from all over the place. You're going to drop a creative midfielder. Sorry to go back to this, but it is, it's big news. It's still, it's still a big topic of conversation. Where, where, where are you? In, I know we've talked about it before. Where are you now on the, on the striker and left-back situation? I agree. We need both of them. Um, like, I don't think we're going to get an absolute pure penalty box poacher I don't think that is what Pep wants from a striker I mean obviously he wants someone who's going to score lots of goals but I think you look at the interest in Kane he he scores the goals but he can drop deep and he can link up play and bring others into it 
I probably haven't watched, if I'm being honest, enough of Haaland and the Bundesliga week in, week out to know if that's exactly his style. But I think Pep, you saw it with Aguero, who was a poacher and Pep didn't want him just to be that. He had to add other elements to his game. So we're we're clearly going to go after Haaland. Um, And as Sarah said, the noises are positive at this stage. The other position as well, I think we probably need another holding midfielder because Fernandinho surely is not going to sign for another year. His, his legs have gone. He's been unbelievable for us for a decade now, but um, he can barely move. It's quite sad, I think, to when he's got the brain and he can, you know, you give him the ball, he can still pick a pass, but he can't move and he just resorts to these cynical yellow cards. So I would have thought he'll, he'll be off and therefore you need somebody else. Whether that's one of the kids from the academy, if it's, is it the Belgian Lavia who's had a couple of chances? or we bring somebody else in. But I don't think there's a huge amount of refurbishment that needs to be done in the squad. Just £150 million for a striker, David. That's all. Not not much refurbishment, but just £150 million for a, for a, a striker whose dad used to play for City. Is that kind of top of your list? Is it going to happen? How do you feel about it? 100% top of my list. I mean, we, def- we are desperate for a player like that. I mean... How many crosses against Crystal Palace did we have? And when you've got five foot three midgets all up front, the whole lot of them, yeah, and all we did is pumping crosses in, we need someone up there. And um, Arlen's perfect for that position. So, you know, without, without doubt, I find it very frustrating that, and I think that's where our problem is now coming, that we don't have someone at the end, you know, in that middle who can finish things off now. And it's becoming a problem. And we are suddenly starting to suffer a bit as a result. Uh, play, you know, teams have watched us. They know how to play against us now. And they know what to do. And actually, we're starting to get a little bit stale. I mean, apart from the United game, we've been quite poor lately. We were very lucky against Everton as well. So, um, yeah, we, we're stuttering. Uh, and what about the door then? Who's who's to be shown the door, do you think, David? Any well, names in the frame for you? All the names are written down and the names of Stephen and Sarah said, so I'm afraid there's no one left. All right. So you're talking about sort of Sterling, Jesus, yeah. Fernandinho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't can't get, can't get rid of my favourite player, Fernandinho, can you? The other couple I love to, him. The other yeah. couple to throw in, I don't think any of us would probably choose to get rid of them, but it's if they pushed for a move would be someone like a Zinchenko or an Ake, who probably know they're going to be a backup. Ake you know, needs two injuries just to, to get a game. So yeah, I'm sure we'd be happy to keep them as, as good options. It's just if they mm. kind of push for something. I like Zinchenko. We, I think we, should, we need to keep him. He's been an amazing servant, as we know, as they all have. Um, it's not easy when it uh, gets to those sort of players. And uh, the names have been said. If you've got some views, let us know on Twitter. We're at, we're at City Podcast, as you know. Let us know what you think about uh, maybe who should be shown the door. Uh, let's look forward, then. Let's look forward to some amazing fixtures. I mean, Burnley is just unbelievable, isn't it, Stephen? What, what a fixture to look forward to, as I say. As you look forward to our fixtures and you see Burnley come up, you think, well, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? I can can quite clearly see your tongue is stuck very firmly in your cheek. Um, but you, if you put a sensible hat on, would realise it's an important game. And Burnley sort of have caused us the odd issue in the past. Um, it's also the type of game, I'm not sure straight after an international break, you want what will 
likely be a physical, really tough, demanding game. If people like Stones are carrying slight niggles and you don't know what sort of this next round of international friendlies will will impact us. But of course we should beat Burnley. They're scrapping for their lives. The quality between us is huge. But they're going to make it tough. They sort of Dyche always does. Not easy place to go to Turf Moor, is it, Sarah? No, it's not. Um, beautiful place, though, Nigel. I know that's important to you in terms of the on your bucket list of places to visit for your pop your clogs. Burnley's definitely up there, isn't it? Um, I've the, been loads of times. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm already teasing you. I think the, <laughs> one of the things that one of the things that's an issue at the moment is we've got this one point lead. Um, goal difference. Uh, it's not massive, the gap, but their goal difference is better. And you can see a scenario where we draw with Liverpool, we all win all our games. Last game of the season, we lose, they draw, and we get picked on goal difference. So uh, Burnley's one of those games where you could really rack up the goals or you get a scrappy 1-0, or worse than that, you're losing 1-0 with eight minutes to go and it's pandemonium. So... Um, We've got, we've got a win. If we don't beat Burnley away, we don't deserve to win the league. That's how I'm So three points, please. Three points, David. Looking forward to that in the bag. Easy, isn't it? Burnley away. Come uh, on. I think, Burnley. I think come on, it's Burnley. Come on. Burnley have become the kings of draws lately. They've drawn a lot of games. So uh, then, you know, I think it's going to be tough for us again because I think Burnley are one of the typical size like the Palace, yeah, who can make it difficult. So I'm a bit nervous, but I'm nervous every game at the moment. And obviously every game in the league is important. And let's just talk about the league first then and just yeah. uh, looking forward. We, we know clearly the Liverpool game is absolutely vital. We can't lose that one. We, we, we know that. And we have to kind of win every game. And, and how, how do you see that running, David? I mean, we have had a dip in form. There is no question we touched on that. Liverpool have the momentum, the old M word that everybody talks about. How, how do you see it, this running with, with, with Liverpool? How, how do you see well, it panning out? I mean, first of all, last season it was a reverse. Very poor start and then amazing run. We had a pretty good start into a really good run. And now we've had a dip in form. Um, and... We need something to get us out of that quickly because there's no doubt an issue there with it. Um, and we're back to three years ago. Every single game, we've got to win because it looks like Liverpool are going to pretty much win the game as well. So it really is going to be another tight season. We'll need 93, 94 points probably like Liverpool will. So... It's just going to be every single week, but it isn't it annoying when every week Liverpool seems to win. They don't seem to want to slip up at all. And uh, it's quite unbearable at the moment. <laughs> it's not, not good for the nerves, Sarah. How are you feeling about this run-in and how do you see it panning out? Just sticking well, with the league for a moment. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the thing is, we had a relentless run, didn't we? And what was it, 15 games this season we did? And there were times when Liverpool were drawing or possibly lost one or two. So they must have felt how we do now. The reason it's worse now is because we're so much closer to the end of the season. So if it goes pear-shaped now, yeah. um, I, I mean, are, you know, is it a dip in form or is it a dip in results? I mean, we weren't great against Spurs, but Harry Kane, you know, turned into Superman for the day. We didn't play, I mean, you know, shocking the chances we missed against Palace, but we didn't play badly. We created shed loads of them. We just didn't put it in the net. Whereas Liverpool have had a couple of results recently where they've not played that well, 
and they've got their customary one goal and one one nil. West Ham being an example, but I think there's another one. So, Sarah, that's the form of champions, isn't it? That's what people would say, isn't it? Not playing that well and winning games. It may be. Then we'll find out at the end of the season. I suppose what I'm saying is I, I wouldn't be... I, I, I'm trying to be optimistic for David's sake in that I don't think we're playing really badly. We're just not delivering results. And, you know, cockily, we'd have probably thought we'll beat Spurs at home, we'll beat Palace away. Actually, Palace are no mugs this season. And we, as I say, we came up against Harry Kane with a point to prove and didn't handle it very well. So... Let's see how they play on Saturday. I'll reserve once I've seen how they play on Saturday and what result they deliver. Then I'll then I'll I'll be more confident of giving you a view about how we're going to play for the rest of the season. We look forward to receiving the tweet and responding accordingly, <laughs> Sarah. Stephen, where do you stand on this? The M word, the whole momentum issue. A lot of people talk about it. Liverpool have it. We don't at the moment. Yeah, I think the international break came at a good time for us, um, especially going into it with the FA Cup win. Just being able to kind of not have that doom hanging around for a couple of weeks. I don't see any way in which both City and Liverpool win all the games remaining the season, take out the, the time we have to play each other, because otherwise that would be mathematically impossible. But I think there are a lot of, not necessarily good teams, but tricky games, and when the pressure's on. And I know you just want to focus for now on the Premier League, but I don't think... You can, because if you look at the run of fixtures with, you know, just take City, it's Burnley away. In another world, that's a gimme. But then you've got Atletico Madrid, then Liverpool, then Atletico Madrid, then Liverpool. And Liverpool have got Benfica, I think they're playing Benfica, Benfica City, Benfica City, and then United and Everton. And I just think if you group all of them, you can't see a a world in which Liverpool are winning at all of them. Of course, they could do. They've got quite a lot of quality. But I think it will be quite bitty for the next month or so. And, and let's let's see where we're at then. Well, let's pick up on what you said then about sort of these, we can't sort of just talk about the league. Let's talk about the two cup competitions as well, just because um, rather than sort of splitting those out, um, the games are coming thick and fast. We now know our route to the final in the FA Cup, of course. Uh, and we've got to get to over a semi-final first um, to, to, to get there. Um, at, at Wembley, David, so, so that's exciting. Another trip to Wembley. So get on yeah. the train, get on the train at Stockport, bish bosh, down you go. Oh, hold on a minute. Oh, no, no, sorry. No, when I say get on the train, what I mean is it's Easter um, anyway, so there are less trains. And also uh, we'll do some engineering works here uh, on the Avanti West Coast line and therefore... It might be quite difficult, David. You've you got a view on that, particularly in terms of if that's a problem or, or not? Where do you stand on the old travel chaos that is all around for the FA Cup semi-final? Travel chaos, David Blakeney. Take us through the I travel think chaos. for organisers of events like this, to have Liverpool and City coming down from the northwest and no trains that weekend is an absolute joke. It's a joke because all those fans then have to make their way down to London. Yeah, they're going to lay on coaches, but coaches, we all know, take twice as long. I just think it's just so poor, and I think it's disgraceful. It, it's really wound me up, that did, because, you know, it's a long way to bring 80,000 people or 70,000 coming up from the northwest anyway, all the way down. And then all these people are going to stop at the service stations. 
What's going to happen on the way there about? Will that then incite trouble at the serving stations? All the fans are going to be there. I just, the whole thing's a mess. So Who do you, who do really you blame, good. David? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the FA Cup um, fixtures have been in the diary for a while. I think we probably know when they were for a while. We knew Easter. Easter kind of moves around, but we kind of know when it is generally. So, uh, so Avanti West Coast, you got problems with them because the FA have got to sort of set these things up. They've got Club Wembley members who have already bought their tickets. You can't just suddenly say to all the, the thousands of Club Wembley members, uh, "We're having it up at Villa Park," just because that used to happen in the eighties and it's quite nice and old fashioned and we quite like that and it works for travel plans. It's it's Wembley. It's, it's it's, it's the home of English football. It's where the, the semi-finals take place now. Isn't that exciting? Another trip to Wembley. It's not. It's not the FA's fault, surely. It's totally unexciting playing at Wembley in the semi-final. It's an apathetic. Well, every semi-final I've been to, the atmosphere has been pretty apathetic. We've not always sold out our tickets. We will probably for this one, but in general, I don't think most people enjoy it at all. Stephen, you must feel for those Club Wembley members that I'm, I'm referring to. Uh, again, surely it's important for them. They've, they've paid a lot of money to see these these blue-ribboned events at Wembley. We can't, we can't start moving it away for these poor people watching at Wembley. Surely, what's going on here? It's terrible. Corporate, corporate tickets being sold at Club Wembley. I think it, it says a lot when players who are so reluctant to usually speak out against you know, the organisers of any of these competitions... Jordan Henderson has come out and been very critical of the decision and said, why don't they move it or let's find a solution. I think that says everything you need to know about what the players think. Um, the works apparently, the engineering works on the train lines have been in, in motion for about two years now. Um, so I think the FA had plenty of um, time to, to plan what to do. Um, yeah, it's it's not right and putting on a few coaches and coming out with that kind of PR angle to try and portray yourselves as the good guys is, is not really cutting it with any fans. Sarah, are you with me in the club, the poor, those poor Club Wembley members who have bought their tickets for these important games? You're going to snatch I that think, opportunity away from them and move it somewhere north? Surely that's not right, is it? Well, I think they're all that matter in this situation, Nigel. I think you've absolutely got it spot on. Um, <laughs> I, you know, look, I mean, nobody knows exactly who's going to be in the semi-finals until about three or four weeks before, um, which is a very flimsy excuse that either the FA or, and to be fair, I think Avanti has to take some responsibility. This may be part of a planned schedule of engineering works, and we know they love a holiday, a bank holiday or a, a public holiday to, to do a lot of that work. But, you know, somebody somewhere, and they pay a fair number of people a lot of money to do some of this uh, contingency planning and so on. Somebody must have thought to themselves, hmm, bank, that Easter weekend is also FA Cup semi-final. There's a reasonable prospect a team from the north will be coming down. You know, do we want to think about that? So I think a combination of them have probably not planned as well as they could have done. But that said, all right, three weeks ago when they realised, absolutely they should move it from Wembley. Yeah. And, and not least with you know with the green agenda, the cost of petrol, all the other reasons why to have people travelling a long way makes no sense. They should move it. I'd rather even if they played it at Port Vale, I'd, I'd you know move it. If you can't, if Old Trafford's not free, and God knows we don't want to play there, but if that's not free, find another ground and play it there. Port Vale, it is. Uh, yeah, why? And, yeah. Go on, David. Uh, and the dis- I mean, it's just. It's incom- I know for a fact, yeah, that 
how incensed all the fans. I can guarantee that Club Wembley would be 80% Liverpool fans, by the way, because that's how it was in the last time we played in the cup final. All the Liverpool, there's normally 60% Liverpool fans in this type of game. And why are you saying that? So help help us understand why you're... the last cup final, yeah, when we played them in the League Cup final, yeah, when four or five years ago I was there, Liverpool had a very much bigger crowd than we had there, and they were the ones who were taking all the Club Wembley, because all the people at Club Wembley will be giving it to their Liverpool mates or selling them. Yeah, I guarantee you it'd be a much bigger presence. All right, listen, is it, don't worry, it's going to be at Port Vale anyway, so we'll be fine, Yeah, um, you're which, is, which is a relief for all of us, I'm sure. Thank you, Sarah, for confirming that first. You heard it first here on the Man City Show, Port Vale is going to be moved. Look forward to that. Uh, can we win all three, Stephen? Come on, let, let's talk about these two cup competitions. You've, you've talked about that ridiculous run-in that we've got. That, and in what It's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? That amazing, amazing run of games that we City fans have got to look forward to. On the other hand, it's going to be pretty stressful and pretty difficult as well. But, but what, a, what a time to be a City fan. Both of that is going to be horrific on our hearts. It's going to be incredibly stressful. But can we you'd, do ra- it? you'd rather be there than not, you know, have been knocked out in the Champions League or FA Cup. Of course we can. Will we? Probably not. Um, look, the league, you're, uh, sorry, the FA Cup, you're two games away from winning it. And you're, if we've been really honest, you're probably one game away from being strong favourites in the final. Atletico are the type of team who, in a one-off game, I think would, <laughs> would cause us problems because we'd really struggle to break them down. Over the course of 180 minutes, you'd surely back us to have enough chances and and finish even a small percentage of them. And then you avoid Liverpool and potentially Bayern until the final. So I, I, I can't see us winning all three, but if any team to do it, it would be us given our strength and depth and the quality. Sarah, clearly as excited as Stephen and, uh, and I am about that whole prospect, but your thoughts about the reality of sort of the sort of trophy City might win and uh, where do you sit on that? I was just thinking about what drugs I'm going to have to order in for that for that three week period to get me through it. And I, th- I, I medicinal, thought you were going to add medicinal. I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say the drugs you needed to get to Port Vale. That's but but obviously not. You'd be all right doing that. I don't, I don't need drugs to go to Port Vale. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think Stephen just summed it up beautifully. I. Football's all about hope, and we've still got it. And I could think of a team a, a fair distance from us in a different place to Manchester that's got no hope for the rest of the season. So if we could win all three, we probably won't. But if I had to pick which ones, what results I'd like, I want us to get through against Oxford Madrid. I want a minimum of a draw against Liverpool in the league. And if we beat them in the FA Cup, I'll see that as a nice bonus. Um, so Sarah's not answering the question, David. Uh, will you? Are you willing? To, are you willing to? Uh, in terms of kind of those three trophies, how how do you see City ending up? Just give us a a, a quick view in terms of those uh, two cup competitions and and what your hopes and fears are for City. Well, the fears are apparent. <laughs> the hope is there. Uh, I think we'll win one. I don't um, know which one, but we'll win one. I reckon. Laura Ravages will allow us to do that. 
And just finally, before we go, just on the Champions League, um, and I, I, I do periodically ask this, and I'm sorry, to, I kind of apologise before asking it again, but this kind of monkey on our back, whatever you want to call it, how important is it, David, to actually get this monkey off our back um, and actually win this this year? Is, is it is it really, really important? Is it one of those things we kind of got to do this year, really? Or you reasonably relax and say, dominate, dominate your domestic league, win the Premier League, have another FA Cup, and the Champions League's a knockout tournament and we'll win it at some point. Where, where you sit on that argument I'd take the Champions League all day long now I just want to win that I want Pep to be able to when he does finish with the club knowing that he would do that for us um, yeah I, I want to win that I, I don't you know I don't mind about the other two now but we need that look how we felt when we lost that final it took several days to get over it I've never felt so sick in my football life when we lost that. And that move was the literally polar opposite to the move when we won the league that first time. So now I want to have that feeling. So for me, that's really Sarah, your thoughts about the Champions League? It's got to be done this year or slightly more relaxed than David? Um, it's, well, it's got to be done. And, it, and, and why not this year? I think... The reality is, Nigel, there'll always be a monkey on our back. So even when we win it, then there'll be the monkey that we didn't win it as part of the treble, assuming we don't. Um, or there'll be, a, you know, so there's always, there's, City are constantly placed under higher and higher standards, no matter what we achieve. Um, but I, I think David says, I want, I want Pep to win it with a different team to Barcelona. And I want it for the players because, you know, we've had some incredibly loyal players over the last brilliant players who've stayed with us because we treat them well, we pay them well, you know, they play exciting football, but most of them will say that that's the dream that they haven't fulfilled yet. So I want it for them. I quite like it as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And finally, Stephen, your thoughts on the Champions League? Got to be one this year or more relaxed? I think I'm more relaxed. If it, if it was a direct opportunity to win either the Champions League or Premier League, I'd still say Premier League. But it's a monkey on our back because the media keep talking about it. And, you, and you know, even we're discussing it as a question now because we acknowledge that. Pep deserves to win it. I think the players deserve to win it. Um, but I, I still, there's something about the Premier League and proving yourself, especially when you've got a rival like Liverpool who are pushing us all the way and we push them all the way. Against them, I think you just want to prove yourself over the full season over 10 months and go yeah we deserve to win the league fantastic listen with no game to talk about i think we've done reasonably well and we to fill about 45 minutes of time so huge thanks to my three guests to sarah messenger to david blakeney and to stephen allwise um we'll see you at port vale this is nigel rothman thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon if you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show contact us at Playback Media. .co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network